Ready for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. Hi, everyone. You are tuned in to Talk with Francesca, and you are going to know a little bit more than you do now in the next hour, so stay with me here. Little housekeeping, my address, my web address is talkwithfrancesca.com. And if you miss part of the show, you can go over to my iTunes page and listen there. The show is sponsored by Antico Forno in the North End, when you will only accept the absolute best in Italian food, great service, and a super fun setting. Antico Forno is your go-to spot. I know because it also happens to be my favorite. All right, we're going to dive right in. I don't know how many of you, and I'm, I'm hoping a lot of you have been um, have have watched the uh, series Inventing Anna. I know my friends were beating me down, telling me I had to watch it, and I finally binged on it for uh, three nights. There were nine episodes. Pr- pretty interesting. And um, but anyway, so between the, the story behind this is that between 2013 and 2017. Anna Sorkin pretended to be a wealthy German heir under the name Anna Delvey. But in 2017, she was arrested after defrauding or intentionally deceiving major financial institutions, banks, hotels, and acquaintances in the U.S. for, get this, a total of $275,000. In 2019, Anna was convicted in New York State Court of attempted grand larceny, larceny in the second degree, and theft of services, and was sentenced to 4 to 12 years in prison. While Netflix developed a television adaption of her story titled Inventing Anna, which was released this year, and it's been all the buzz. Um, as I said earlier, um, everyone I've spoken to has watched it, and I watched uh, the nine episodes in mere days. And it's addicting. But the question is, why? Understanding that a person like Anna Delvey thinks radically different from others as well as how such a person becomes ingenious at casing others out for his or her own purposes seems like a pretty good reason to invite forensic psychologist Dr. Stanton Samenow, who is the author of Inside the Criminal Mind, who has spent 50 years, yes, that's 5-0, as a researcher, clinician, consultant, and expert witness specializing in criminal behavior. He has appeared on 60 Minutes, Oprah, Good Morning America, and today, and he's here with us tonight, and I'm really excited to have him with us. So welcome, Dr. Seminole. Thanks for joining us tonight and talk with Francesca. Well, thank you very much for having me. So let's first start by telling our listeners a little bit about you before we dive in. Well, as you said, I have been at this forensic work for a half a century, and some of our listeners may not know what forensic means in the context I'm using it. So a forensic psychologist, which is what I am, is a person who is involved in matters that come before the courts, meaning it could be criminal uh, matters or domestic matters like child custody, my focus has been on criminal behavior. So I've been an expert witness uh, before the courts, both for the prosecution and the defense, depending on the case. I have been an expert witness with regard to criminal sentencing, and I have been 
a uh, expert witness in the area of child custody, which might seem rather remote to our listeners because we're talking about criminals. Mm -hmm. But I think some of you, I hope not too many of you know this, but in some of the most contested child custody cases, the tactics that the parents use in waging war over the child is very similar to some of the tactics that identified criminals use in the crimes they commit. That may sound a little hard to believe, but that's what I do. Matters that come before the courts. So that's very surprising. Uh, Can you give us an example of something that someone would do? So you're talking about someone who's trying to get custody of their own child or children? Yes. Well, I remember one case where the father referred to the exchange of the child between the mother and himself as the hostage exchange. And this child was not permitted by the father to say anything positive about the mother. The child was made to feel guilty if he even thought about positive experiences with the mother while he was with the father. So in other words, what it was all about for the father was not the best interest of the child, Mm -hmm. but it was about winning. It was about building himself up in any way that he could. So the tactics of power and control that he used were really at the expense of the child. And so there was lying, control, the misuse of power, the failure to put himself in the place of the child. So many of what I call the same thinking errors that you see in people who commit arrestable acts. He was not arrestable, but the damage that he did to his own son was incalculable. Right. Right. So how did you come to understand the personality of Anna Delvey? Well, I have over the years interviewed and evaluated offenders from all walks of life, meaning that street criminals, sophisticated white-collar criminals, people from a wide variety of backgrounds, meaning it could be from the inner city or an affluent suburb, college-educated, grade school dropouts. So a wide variety of males and females, I want to say this applies to both men and women, and I found that there are certain thinking patterns that they share in common, and It goes across demographics and even different kinds of crime. So, for example, somebody who holds up a bank and somebody who embezzles from his corporation, it's the same mentality. They're going to take what they want, and they regard themselves as entitled to it. They have different ways in which they operate to commit their crimes, but the objective is the same. And... I think this might give our listeners pause. I remember the man who said, I hope they're keeping my money safe for me. And he did not mean the money in his savings account. As he was on his way for a bank robbery, he regarded the money in that bank as already his, belonging to him. All he had to do was to figure out how to get it. Or the person who said, when I walk into a room, speaking of a break and entry, everything in that room belongs to me. This is not a mental illness. It sounds like it might be, but it isn't. 
because the person knows he's in a home that he was not given access to. He knows that the electronics, the jewelry, the cash they're sitting around belong to the owner. But in his mind, and that's what we're talking about, seeing the world from the criminal's point of view, from his point of view, those items are already his. All he has to do is to figure out how to take them, conceal them, and make his getaway, and then uh, fence the items on the street or whatever he's going to do with them. Why would he think that these items are his, even though you said that he knows that they're Uh, not? Because for a person like this, thinking something makes it so. Now, again, this is not somebody being psychotic or crazy. There's no hallucination. There's no delusion. But this is a person who views very much as Anna Delvey did the world as a chessboard. And people and objects are like pawns to be moved around. And so what is important is what the individual wants at the moment. And if he or she sets his or her mind on it, then it's going to happen, and they're going to make it happen. And they are very ingenious. I think you use these phrases, uh, this phrase at the beginning, at casing others out for their own purposes. And they're usually at least one step ahead of the victim. Right. Since I've watched Inventing Anna, I've been fascinated with criminal shows. Why are we so fascinated with these scoundrels? I think there are a couple of reasons, and I don't think it's because secretly we all want to be criminals at heart. I don't think that's true. I've heard that. I don't think that's true at all, because I think that the mentality, and you take Anna Delvey, I mean, that's a great example that I would think that most people who are watching this unfold before them, this character over the series of episodes that you mentioned, they are fascinated. How could a person who actually has nothing and really hasn't achieved anything responsibly, how can this person insinuate herself into the lives of very sophisticated, very highly educated people, decide what she wants, and how can she be so clever as to be able to get it from them. I think there's a fascination with this, Mm -hmm. because most people can't imagine doing it, number one. And number two, they're astonished that she could keep getting away with it. Well, and where where is her fear? I mean, that would be, you know, my concern is getting caught. (laughs) You know, even Uh, if I wanted to do it, I, I would be afraid of being caught, you know? Well, I'm so glad you said that, because... Each offender whom I've interviewed, and there have been hundreds of them, as you can imagine, over 50 years, um, they know the occupational hazards of crime, getting caught, getting convicted, getting confined, even getting injured or killed in a high-risk crime. They know that. But they can do something with fear that you and I, and I'm pretty sure most of our listeners can't do. They are able to shut off that knowledge of right and wrong, the fears that they have, just like you can flip off a light switch long enough to do 
what they want to do with just enough fear coming back so that they may look over their shoulder and avoid apprehension. Mm -hmm. And, of course, those who are the most brazen um, keep going and going and going, and then they miscalculate, and eventually they are caught. So the fear is there, but unlike most of us, where fear is a guide to how we live, they are able to just turn it off. Well, not just fear, but integrity. Um, we're going to take a short break, but I, before we do, I just want to say that, you know, you say it's important to understand how the, the criminal thinks, right? So, But it's not news that behavior is a result of thinking, but it seems kind of simplistic to say, change your thoughts, change your life, right? I mean, that's... Oh, if right. you'd like to take that up after the break, I'd well, be happy to do well, that. Well, you know what, I, I, the reason I'm saying this is because so many have spent years, even decades, in therapy trying to understand where things come from and are told if they could change their thinking, um, you know, that all will be well, and yet they remain stuck. So I'd be curious to know your thoughts on that. But when we come back, we'll, we'll pick up where we left off. Listeners, stay with us here. Don't go anywhere. This is life. Don't miss it. I'm Francesca Luca, and you're listening to Talk with Francesca on 95.9 WATD. What's it like to be in a movie or on TV? How does it feel to have your unique talent and skills shared with the world and immortalized? CP Casting knows that feeling. They hear about it all the time from the talented people they call upon. CP Casting works with individuals like you, actors who want to step up their profile, actors looking to continue growing their resume, and even non-actors who have a unique skill or even a profession that they can share. They match you up with television professionals, movie producers, photographers, advertising agencies, even local and independent projects. When you get booked, that's when the fun begins. Since CP Casting knows the business so well, they even offer classes at different skill levels, including basics of acting, auditioning for different types of media, and advanced classes. It's up to you to decide where you go in this industry. CP Casting can help you get there. Learn about CP Casting's resume submission process and what classes they have available for you at cpcasting.com. Tides is beachside dining at its best all year round. Located at the end of the Nahant Causeway, directly on Nahant Beach, the ocean views from the dining room and the pub can't be beat. Tide specializes in casual dining with food that's delicious, not pretentious. On a warm day, enjoy a frosty pint at their bar or the sun-drenched deck on Nahant Beach. Or enjoy an incredible meal in their dining room anytime. Tides guarantees you great atmosphere with superior service. The menu at Tides is full of fresh high-quality seafood, prime rib, chicken, pasta, and pizza that everyone will love. Check out the drink menu at Tides for fun cocktails, 30 ice-cold beers on tap, and their well-rounded wine list with state-of-the-art tap wines. Tides is unbeatable anytime, summer or winter, lunch or dinner, rain or shine. Visit TidesNahant.com. You need help around the house. You need a handyman. How do you find just the one you're looking for? Go to locally owned and operated HandymanConnection.com. Handyman Connection puts you in touch with one of their carefully screened and background checked craftsmen. You get the best help around for maintenance, installation and remodeling services, carpentry, tiling and flooring, and assistance with aging in place upgrades to your home. Handyman Connection also provides you with free in-home estimates and a one-year written warranty on labor from one of their experienced professionals. 
Call 781-829-3030 or visit handymanconnection.com. Your connection to quality craftsmen on the South Shore. One call, one connection. You're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca Luca. The talk continues on 95.9 WATD. Basically, it was like going to school. I mean, I started out in crime, you know, in kidney garden and went all the way to uh, get my Ph.D. All right. Welcome back. That was a clip from um, Kevin Weeks, Whitey Bulger's then right-hand man. And uh, welcome back, Dr. Seminow. Thank you. So uh, Dr. Seminow is the author of Inside the Criminal Mind. For those of you that are just tuning in, we're talking about that Netflix uh, uh, series, Inventing Anna, that has just been so incredibly popular and all the buzz. So um, I had a question for you before the break, but then when Kevin played back that clip, I, I do want to ask you, uh, Dr. Seminow, so, you know, the way he, Kevin Weeks, described his work was basically just, you know, it was, you know, a day's work. You know, as a matter of fact, um, in the interview, and this was back many, many years ago, I asked him, I said, um, and he had been obviously caught, and then he had gotten out of jail, and um, I said, if, if, have you ever thought about doing this again, right, because he had then uh, gone forward and gone into construction, and he said, this answer, I will just never forget it, wasn't, you know, no, I've, I've learned, and, you know, it's not the right way to think, and, you know, it was, uh, well, no, too many people know me. So, in other words, I would get caught, and it just it's, it doesn't make good sense. <laughs> and I well, was that's... just, you know, I, I was just like, my mouth was wide open, like, no, so what you're saying is that you would do it if you were sure you wouldn't get caught. So his way of thinking hadn't changed um, one bit. So um, that being said, before the break, I said it's not news that beha- uh, our behavior is a result of our thinking. Um, but it does seem kind of simplistic to say, change your thoughts, change your life. So well, um, that's kind of a two-part thing there. I don't know where you want to yeah. jump in. But, you know, so, so let me comment on the um, too many people know me. Yeah. So you're absolutely right that that would indicate that the man has not changed, but that for now, anyway, deterrence is working, meaning the fear of getting caught. So there's inherently... Nothing wrong with what he did. What was what the wrong is getting caught, and that happens over and over. That you don't find that there's really remorse. Mm-hmm. That what appears to be remorse is that they feel like they're victims yes. in a sense yes. because they were caught. Now, the second part of your question. Yeah, I, in a way, you could say, well, change your thinking and it will change your behavior. It's simplistic, but. It's a lot more than that with a person who makes crime a way of life. It isn't just changing one or two thought processes. It's changing a whole way of looking at the world, which is why I have used the word habilitation rather than rehabilitation. To rehabilitate means to restore to an earlier constructive state or condition. You help a stroke victim regain functions she once had. But with a career criminal, there's nothing to which to restore him. Rather, the scope of the task is a lot bigger 
than job skills or social skills or um, money management. It's really to take a view of life in which he sees himself as the hub of the wheel, never as one of the spokes, and to get him to do something that most of us really don't want to do, and certainly criminals don't, Mm -hmm. and that is to look in the mirror and look at the damage that we have caused to other people, including people that we care about or who care about us. So, yes, it's simplistic, but there are many thinking errors, and that's the term I use, because they are errors in that they lead, if they're present to an extreme, to injury, whether it's financial or emotional or physical injury to others. So there's a lot that really has to change. Right. So, you know, I'm curious about how an intelligent person can become victimized, like in the in the case of inventing Anna. I mean, she was just victimizing everybody, and and these were not dumb people. You know, these were these were very intelligent people. What I'm thinking is that, um, you know, that these people wanted to be close to her wealth, her supposed wealth and power, and uh, that she very cleverly honed in on on um, exactly what people wanted. Would that be an accurate assumption? Absolutely accurate. That, and there's another part to it, and that is that people are basically, you may not agree with this, but I think basically we're trusting. I mean, if, if you ask somebody for directions somewhere, you trust that what they're going to tell you is the best that they can to their ability. Yeah, it depends these if you're people, a woman or a man. <laughs> well, Men these, don't ask for people, directions, but that's another show. <laughs> but, but these people in Anna's world, yeah. I mean, they're in business. They have to count on one another. Yes, of course, they have their own ambitions. They have their own vanities. But basically, in the world of, well, in any world, the world of the arts, the world of business, the world of sports, you rely a lot on trust, trust of your associates, trust of your team members. And a person like Anna knows that, and she is able to exploit that trust. And you remember the, and I, I can't remember the, the the man, but over and over and over, he would swallow her lies despite his doubts. He wanted to believe in her. The, uh, that, that's the, another oh, thing. Uh, Alan. Alan. Alan, yes. Yes, that's it. Um, he wanted to believe in her. And, I mean, he was certainly not a stupid guy. He was very successful. And he wanted to believe that this woman, who, after all, appeared to be so knowledgeable, so ambitious, and and he felt kind of a kinship. I mean, she was a young woman making her way in the world, and he wanted to help her. Um, well, yeah, but it was something interesting. Um, you know, listeners, you're gonna if you haven't watched Inventing Anna on Netflix, you, you, it's it's a must say. I have to admit. I think Netflix should pay me for this advertising. Um, but um, what I what I found was very interesting. I don't know if you recall this or not, but he, this guy Alan, he was he was married to this woman, and they of course had a ton of money, and they'd get up in the morning, hi, bye. She was off to tennis. He was off to making money. You know, roommates basically sleeping in the same bed. And now all of a sudden, he's very excited about Anna. And the next thing you know, they're having 
sex, which seems like it had been based on, you know, watching this, it seemed like that was not something that they did regularly. But it, he, it kind of lit him up. The, the point being is that Anna kind of lit him up and kind of took him out of his um, boring, if you will, life. So, um, you know, she was so exciting and so, you know, I, I will even say since I've, since I've kind of gotten hooked on some of these, these shows, I have to admit that none of them, you know, these, these criminal shows have the, I don't know, the, the almost magnetism that the inventing Anna has, you know, she just pulls you in, um, you know, and, and uh, but, you know, another thing that I think is interesting is um, trust. We talked about trust a little bit. You know, I, you know, my, my parents, um, their parents came over from Italy and, you know, they had sort of an edge to them. You know, they weren't the most trusting people in the world. And, of course, because they, they came over from another country. So, you know, they, and I even remember my father saying once, you know, better to be a little distrusting than too trusting, right? I don't know that that was a good good advice to give to a kid but nonetheless I remember it and I remember it well and um, I do think that I I am a little cautious um, and I all but I also think that interesting um, I was out with a friend uh, back a couple of weeks ago and um, there was this this property that was really fascinating and I said, oh, let's go see it you know it was on the water and um, and when I and the the person living there was actually a tenant and when we left my friend said oh she was so lovely and I said you know what she's never moving out that landlord's not going to get her out and when I it, it of course the broker wanted to know afterwards what we thought of this place and since I'm not buying it was just like well you know uh she didn't I don't get the feeling that that this uh tenant would ever leave and you know what the broker said you're absolutely right can't trust her for a minute and I really intuitively knew that, and yet my girlfriend did not at all. And she is just a loving, wonderful person, you know, loves everyone. But, I mean, to me, the writing was on the wall. You could just tell. It was so obvious to me that this girl was going to be a terror of a tenant moving out. So I don't know whether that's good or bad, and I know I just went off onto a tangent, but I'd love to know your thoughts on that. Well, I think people differ in the degree that they trust, and um, if something's too good to be true, it usually is, and a certain wariness in dealing with others before you become dependent on them or become indebted to them is a good thing. But yes, I think people vary in their in their intuition that one person might say, oh, isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? In fact, I remember somebody in particular saying that. And the other one said, no, she's too good to be true. Yeah. And yeah, they yeah. sensed, yeah, yeah. and they were right, yeah. and they sensed something about that person. And so... Yes, people do differ, but you know, you go back to um, Anna, and people wanted to trust her, and they did. I mean, you use the word, a great word. She was an exciting person. She was. She was very <coughs> exciting, and, and she had tons of appeal mm -hmm. in a certain way. I mean, if you kind of look at it from the outside, and I'm still saying to you that she was able to sniff out vulnerability and pounce on it very very well 
Um, we do take need to take a short break, but on that note, in talking about Anna, I'm curious whether criminals themselves are ever vecti- are, are victims. And the reason that I ask you that is because there was something in that series that um, I kept noticing was she would when she wouldn't get her own way, um, she would go into this crazy, crazy, like infantile almost tantrum. And to me, I don't know whether it's because she just believed that she was so entitled or because she was so damaged somehow um, growing up. But anyway, on that note, we do need to take a break. When we come back, more to come, listeners, don't go anywhere. Ladies, are you tired of looking tired, noticing fine lines and stubborn wrinkles that won't go away? The professional team at Jolie Medical Spa in Marshfield offers Botox, fillers, all therapy, skin lifting and tightening, hydrofacials, IV hydration, and more. The warm and caring manner at Jolie Medical Spa will make you feel like you're coming in for a cup of coffee, but instead, you'll leave with a relaxed look on your face. Located conveniently at 435 Furnace Street in Marshfield, call them today at 781-248-5769 or visit them at www.joliemedspa.com to schedule your free consultation and know you are in the best of hands. Just wait for your friends to ask where you went on vacation because you know they will. Plan a wonderful evening in Boston's North End, highlighted by one of the neighborhood's best-kept secrets, Antico Forno. Renowned as one of the world's most authentic Italian restaurants, Antico Forno provides you with an unforgettable dining experience featuring world-class traditional Italian dishes cooked in their beautiful brick oven. Outdoor dining is now available, too. Whether seated inside or enjoying an evening under the stars, when you eat at Antico Forno, you feel like part of the family. Antico Forno is open seven days a week. See their menu and make your reservation online at AnticoFornoBoston.com. Looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you might just want to venture out to Boston this weekend and dine at Terramia Ristorante, a true gem among all those rhinestones in Boston's North End. This cozy trattoria with stucco walls and beam ceiling specializes in creative interpretations of Italian classics. Like the cuisine here, the atmosphere is elegant, yet understated. Since opening in 1993, Terramia Ristorante has aimed to convince diners that there's always more to Italian food than just red sauce. Over the years, the innovative and beloved restaurant has done a great deal of convincing. And best of all, it's reasonably priced. The best-kept secret is worth the trip. Call 617-523-3112. That's 617-523-3112. Or visit terramiaristorante.com. Hey, this is James Woods, and you are listening to Talk with Francesca. On 95.9 WATD. And we are back, and I am speaking with... Dr. Stanton Samanow, he is the author of Inside the Criminal Mind, and we're discussing the uh, series Inventing Anna. So, Dr. Samanow, before the break, I asked you um, if criminals themselves are victims. And, and you know, because what I'm wondering is, um, you know, if this, this sort of comes about, this, this entitlement behavior or just sort of spoiled little brat behavior, um, because in inventing Anna, there were a number of times, and it wasn't just it wasn't just her being you know spoiled or entitled 
in certain situations, but also like when her boyfriend, I think he was leaving her or something, she was like all devastated, you know, like she, you know, was like almost like a child who had been abandoned, you know, like a five-year-old kid by a parent. You know, that it was almost like it, it, it came across to me like a post-traumatic stress kind of thing. Do, are you following what I'm saying? I do follow it, but but I don't necessarily agree with the last thing that you said. I mean, anything's possible, but the criminal as a victim is a very interesting subject mm-hmm. because when a person like Anna Delvey does not get what she believes is already hers or should be hers, it is almost like you stick a pin in a balloon the whole image of herself is on the line. And so for a person, it's hard, I think, for listeners maybe to conceive of this, but if you believe that the world is yours and others should accommodate you, and in your mind thinking makes it so, and you tailor the way you do things around these premises, Again, I go back to when I walk into a room, everything in the room belongs to me. Mm-hmm. So if somebody had interfered and come in and that person had been caught while in that home that he burglarized, he is the victim. And I remember the guy who said, I know the guy missed his stuff, but I'm the one that's got to do the time. <gasps> so back to Anna Delphi. <laughs> well, I just think that, it's funny. That, it's not funny, but it's not funny, you know. Well, and the well, other thing funny. is, well, but, but another thing they do is they blame the person who they think victimized them. So for, just as an example, um, I remember the guy that said, well, you know, that woman dressed the way she was. She shouldn't have been out at night. I mean, she was asking for something. Mm-hmm. Or the woman who left her keys in the ignition, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was just daring, tempting the fates. Right. So back to Anna. Mm-hmm. So whenever Anna did not get her way, it, and certainly in something that she thought was important, it's, again, like sticking a pin in a balloon where her whole image is on the line, mm-hmm. and she is devastated, and she believes she believes in her own mind that she has been victimized, that she has been treated unfairly. Mm-hmm. That's for real. Yeah. Now, there are times where they pretend that, but, but, but actually the criminal as a victim is a theme that you see over and over and over because, and then mm-hmm. I'll be quiet um, <laughs> for at least for a minute, because th- a criminal does not have an operational concept of injury to others. Mm-hmm. They just don't have it. Um, there's no empathy. And so if something doesn't happen on their schedule the way they want, then it is others who have wronged them. But they can be very charming getting to the point where they get what they want. Um, I want to I go back to uh, Kevin Weeks. So listeners, if you're just tuning in, um, Kevin Weeks was uh, Whitey Bulger's then right-hand man. And I actually interviewed him twice in my career, uh, once at the very, very beginning of my career. And then when uh, a movie came out, and I can't... Kevin, what was the name of that movie with Kevin Weeks? Do you remember? The Departed? 
No, it was the other one after that. Black Mass? Black Mass, right, thank you. Okay, so Black Mass was a, um, a movie that came out, I don't know, maybe like five years ago or something. But anyway, um, I remember interviewing Kevin about that movie because they were portraying him in the movie. And he was, I remember him saying to me, well, I just think it was ridiculous. They, they portrayed me as some mindless oof. Right. So he was like very annoyed, like absolutely annoyed that they had portrayed him as being, you know, whatever, as he called a mindless oof. But um, so his image like to him, to himself, he thought he was a very intelligent uh, criminal, you know, and, and who he was. And he was just completely disgusted with that. And I I found that really, really interesting. Um, his, I mean, just there were a number of, of questions I had asked him that just his way of thinking was just so, so interesting to me. And yet, I will say that when I would, when I was talking to him, he just seemed like just a regular guy. You know, it was just, it was, you know, it was like a, a murder by day and watch movie with girlfriend by night. You know, it's just really, really uh, amazing to me. Well, that speaks to the fact that for many criminals, maybe most, um, people don't recognize them as such. I mean, you know, they don't wear a badge on their chest saying, I am a criminal. They seem like anybody else. You could sit down, eat popcorn, watch a movie, whatever. And so this ability to fit in to whatever situation uh, in a sense, to camouflage themselves mm-hmm. is something that um, they are able to do. Mm-hmm. What causes so, them to have that personality? Well, I'm sorry, what, what did you just I, say? I'm sorry, I should have let you finish your thought, but I just, I thought, I can't let this show end without knowing what causes this personality. <laughs> I knew you would ask that. I knew it. <laughs> and you know what? what? I wish I had an answer. Okay. Okay. I have a stack of articles I kid you not, it's very thick about the supposed causes of crime. Everything but the federal deficit has been cited as a cause of criminal behavior. And I mean, it's everything from poverty, affluence, peer pressure, cycles of the moon, a lack of trace metals in food, and I could go on, but I won't. So there have been, there has been a conventional wisdom that's been alive I think longer than I have been, and it's quite a while, in which everything outside the person becomes a possible cause of crime. So let's take one thing, poverty. Most poor people are not criminals. Many well-to-do ones are. What has impressed me over all these years is not so much the environment that a person comes from, but how he chooses to deal with with whatever that environment is. Mm -hmm. And you know very well, and our listeners do, that even within a family, whether it's poor or wealthy, that there may be three kids, and two of whom are basically responsible, and then you have that one kid that's hanging out and stealing from stores and dabbling with drugs, and it just gets worse. A late colleague of mine wrote a book called Stranger in the Nest, and that was talking about this one kid who you can't explain by his parents, the social environment. So I ended up saying, because none of these causes seem to stand up, that 
well, it's like a scratch on the table. You don't have to know why the table got scratched, but you do need to know what the table's made up of in order to decide what to do with the table. The analogy here being that even if you knew the cause, and they love to use the word, the sociologists, the root cause mm-hmm. or causes, even if you knew those, it wouldn't mean that necessarily you would be able to address the problem successfully. That is why I have focused in dealing with juvenile and adult offenders on their thinking, because behavior is, and you pointed to this earlier, a product of thinking. And so that has been my focus, the thinking patterns that give rise to an underlying criminal behavior. And I leave you and your listeners with frustration, I'm sure, because... I think that many of our listeners believe, oh, well, if you're in a bad environment where there are gangs and there are drugs, you're destined for prison. Mm -hmm. Not true. No, not Not necessarily. But I also believe that having a really good role model can make a difference between someone who has a greater chance of becoming going wayward than one who does not. Oh, I'm glad you said that. So, yes, our listeners can get the wrong idea from what I said. I do believe the environment has an influence, so I don't, some people may have clicked off the dial already, um, thinking that I said environment doesn't matter at all. It does matter. Um, The environment can facilitate or inhibit certain uh, possibilities. Yes, it matters. But the key, the key is how do people deal with whatever life hands them. And sure, it is tougher. Um, in certain environments and others. I wouldn't deny it for a minute. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We are going to take a short break, but I am curious when we come back if all of us share some of these patterns to to maybe some degree. Um, You know, like you you go into the supermarket and, you know, you've got a big order and and, uh, you... uh, have uh, 24 bottles of water underneath your carriage and you you genuinely forgot to tell them and then you know you get into the car you put your stuff in the the car and you realize well you didn't pay for it you know there are there are people who might think well you know last week i bought a pineapple and and it was rotten (laughs) you know i'm just curious whether or not um people really think that so whether or not there's some patterns um as i said uh, to some degree that, that people share, obviously, it, the degree makes the difference. But anyway, so when we come back, maybe you can answer that question for us. Listeners, stay with us here. This is This is Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca Luca. We'll talk more in just a bit on 95.9 WATD. Need a reliable place for your pet? Does your dog crave extra stimulation instead of social isolation? Sign up for Doggy Daycare at the Dog's Den in Pembroke. With two separate yards and plenty of supervision, your dog will have a ball and tug-of-war toys and plenty of new friends. The Dog's Den also specializes in grooming. Each groomer at the Dog's Den has decades of experience and will leave your furry friend refreshed and ready for their next adventure. Schedule your grooming or daycare today at thedogsdengrooming.com. A whole new house is a lot right now. Redesigning your current home could be just what you're looking for. Consult with interior designer Grace Beltrame. If you're just moving in or would like to get the most out of where you've been, Grace Beltrame can make any house a home or your current home even homier. 
Find the best color scheme for any room. Bring out the brilliance every room was meant for with a lighting and floor plan. Grace Beltrame is also a professional organizer. Find out what you've been missing in the kitchen and make your closet space pop with organizational elegance. You know those shows where someone rehabilitates a home they just bought? Your project is just an after picture waiting to happen. It doesn't have to belong to anybody but you. Call Grace Beltrame today at 508-493-8604. 508-493-8604. And bring out the beauty in your home. Who doesn't go to the hair salon to liven up their looks? Though sometimes you look worse on the way out than you did walking in. You can expect something different at Hair Design Fationa. With a super modern feel that can hardly be mistaken for suburban, a full-service hair salon, they offer cuts, color, highlighting, and formal design. Fationa is originally from Europe where she owned her own salon. With an impressive following, she won't disappoint. I know because I can tell you from my own experience, I felt transformed and you will too. So if you're looking to turn a few heads, call Fationa today at 781-964-3770. Conveniently located at 834 Washington Street in Braintree or visit her on Facebook. That number again is 781-964-3770. Call today, you'll be thrilled. I know you will. I'm Francesca Luca, and you're listening to Talk with Francesca on 95.9 WATD. And we are back, and we're talking to Dr. Stanton Samenow. Dr. Samenow, before the break, I asked you if, um, <clears throat> you know, you can give us, um, well, so some thinking patterns, um, if, if uh, some of us share any of the patterns to a degree. And the example you know, I used I, was, you know, you forgot to pay for your water or your watermelon, right? It was at the bottom of your carriage. You legitimately forgot. Then you get out to your carriage and or out to the, the, the car. You throw everything in the car and you go, oops. You know, and, I mean, genuinely, you know, you go in to put your, your carriage back away and it's like, oh, I didn't pay for that. First of all, for me, I'd be too lazy to go back and say, I didn't pay for it. But, I mean, there are people who have this mentality of, like, yeah, well, my pineapple last week was rotten, so, you know, uh, it's just an even swap, you know. But isn't that kind of a bizarre way of thinking? You know, I am so glad that you asked this question (laughs) because you are definitely on to something. And that is, as I've described some of these patterns during your superb interview, and it has been superb, (laughs) um, I am sure that listeners have said, well, you know, I do some of these things sometimes. I don't mean rob a bank, but, you know, sometimes I'm... I, I overestimate my importance, or I, I'm insensitive to somebody, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So, every one of the patterns that I've described, and there are many others that are detailed in the book Inside the Criminal Mind, they lie along a continuum. Let's take lying as an example. So, people lie. I mean, if I ask you, do you like the tie I'm wearing, and you think it's hideous, you'll probably say it's nice, even though you don't think so, Mm -hmm. because what's the point of getting into it? Mm -hmm. Or um, you can go all the way along the continuum, a person who takes a deduction on his income tax, which is rather marginal and probably not legitimate. So, sure, people do sometimes take things. They're insensitive. They... uh, their expectations are unrealistic, 
This is true. But I think the important word here is a continuum, Mm -hmm. that every one of these exists along a continuum. If you put all these patterns together and they're present to an extreme, in a sense, the whole is larger than the sum of the parts, and you have an anadelvi, which is, of course, at the extreme end of the continuum. But I'm curious whether or not people become sort of, um, criminals become addicted. You know, you start small. You know, petty theft, isn't that, you know, how it sort of starts? And then the next thing you know, they're doing, you know, bigger deals. And then the next thing you know, they're robbing banks. So it, I'm wondering if it, it, right? So I'm just curious if it becomes sort of like a addiction to hunger or, or I don't know what. Oh, it's funny you said that. I remember a guy who said crime is like ice cream. Yeah, it's like power delicious. Hunger. Yeah. Yeah, or the one who said, if you take my crime away, not that I could, but he said, if you take my crime away, you take my world away. So, yeah, um, I don't use the word addiction, but there certainly is an increasing sense of power, excitement, control. And, of course, when a person is arrested, rarely is it his first offense. Usually it's the first time he's been caught. Mm. And... So the criminal's ego is fed by many things, but one of them is the number of crimes he commits that nobody even suspects him of. So there is this intensifying excitement over the course of a criminal career. And Anna Anna, uh, Delvey is a great example of it. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, on a totally different note, what kind of tactics uh, criminal use to avoid disclosure um i'm just i'm I'm wondering about that i'm thinking back at the the whole inventing anna i'm wondering you know what what she i mean she didn't really i i didn't notice anything but i'm I'm just curious your thoughts on that yeah but what she did uh at times was she would tell part of the truth Mm -hmm. and lead people to think they were getting it all and that is a typical tactic. Or you tell the truth about something that maybe is unexpected, and then you get a reputation for truthfulness. She managed to convince people that she was a very truthful person, and she knows that people generally, I mean, in business and other areas, they're skeptical, but generally they kind of want to believe the person they're talking to. Mm-hmm. And, boy, she could carry that off to a T. It was interesting. We just have a few minutes left, but um, her uh, her friend, the one who, who took her for $62,000, she wrote a book, My Friend Anna. And um, I thought it was interesting the way, um, you know, a lot of people said, you know, they, they made her out to be, um, you know, that she was the, the scoundrel in court rather than Anna. Um, but... But, you know, she, she, it was interesting that she, that Rachel was, was crying and, and, you know, just all, just, you know, sobbing mess. But then she stepped up to the plate and she turned it right around. And she was a, she turned out to be a pretty tough woman, you know. And in some funny kind of a way, it made me think that she was a manipulator too. And by the way, I'm not saying that I wouldn't do exactly what she did because I would. You know, if someone took that kind of money from me, the only difference that, you know, the only thing that I would have done is maybe said, you know, hey, I'm going to go to the cops if you don't, you don't pay me. Well, exactly. You know, that's, that's, what that's the I only difference. But you know something? She had, she had played out her cards and Anna wasn't giving her her money back. And 
you know, and but she tripped her up and she was pretty she was pretty manipulative about the way that she she ended up getting her caught, wouldn't you say? Well, yes, and I remember one offender who said to me, us kinds find each other. Hmm. Meaning mm-hmm. that um people who share certain traits in common, not necessarily noble traits, often gravitate to one another. So I'm, you know, I don't know if that was part of it or not. It's hard to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so um, I do want to ask you, we just have a few minutes left, but I wanted to ask you, um, did you think Anna's parents played a part at all in um, the way she turned out? No. Absolutely not. I don't know very much. There wasn't much that we right. learned about her parents. Right, right. But they, you know, they were working class people, and um, she stole from them. They didn't have very much for her to take, but mm-hmm. she stole from them. She exploited them. And, and I remember that uh, they said, you know, there was really nothing that they could do. Right. And it was a horrible loss for them. I mean, can you imagine mm-hmm. having a daughter and you pour yourself into that daughter, and there's mm-hmm. no reason to think that they didn't love her originally, right. and, and this is the outcome. But I don't think that you can say that there's evidence to say, oh, it's something they did or something they didn't do that would account for this uh, personality, that uh, right. oversized personality that emerged. Um, with just about a minute and a half left, I hate to put you in a box, but is there anything that we, you haven't shared with our listening audience that you would like to leave with them before we say goodnight? Yeah, I think one thing, and that is the contradictory nature of the criminal. He may pray in church at 11 o'clock on a Sunday, go out and mug somebody at 1 o'clock. The person who will help a woman across the street with her groceries and then mug somebody on a street corner later. Savage brutality and maudlin sentiment exist side by side within the same individual. And I remember the man who said, I can change from tears to ice like that. And he snapped his fingers. That is an attribute that is really chilling. Well, that was basically what what they were saying about Anna. And the end, the reporter was like, it was like chilling almost the way she was charming and wonderful one minute and then just cold as ice the next gone oh i think that uh, series was great in showing that i know yeah. i hope i hope that the, the majority of our listeners actually watched it so they know what we're talking about but we didn't even actually end up talking that much about anna did we it was more the criminal mind which i found the entire show completely fascinating so dr i really really appreciate you being with us tonight on talk with francesca pick up a copy of his book listeners inside the criminal mind by stanton sam uh, Samanow great beach read and again thanks so much for joining us tonight on, on talk with francesca it's been a pleasure thank you you are one superb interviewer oh, and i enjoyed it thanks so much all right we've got to wrap things up and say good night i hope you enjoyed the show and, and learned a whole lot see you next week same time same place make it a great week what if you took it to-